0: Tonight's scripture reading is from Mark chapter 12. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. We thank you, God, for your word. You may be seated. Once again, good evening. We're glad that you're with us tonight. Uh, Every few weeks, we have a more a cappella worship set uh, for a number of reasons, but one of them being that we can hear one another praising God and the Spirit can move through that. So thanks to Steve, who is our creative arts director at Grace for leading us tonight. Our prayer tonight is that the Spirit would continue to speak as we open up the Word together. Let me give you a little bit of context so that you know where we're headed with the rest of tonight. Uh, Through June and July, we taught through the book of Jonah as we talked about how to prepare our hearts for mission We believe that God has called us to be on mission for him. If we're a disciple of him, then we will do the things that Jesus did. And that means we will go about uh, speaking about the kingdom and going about making disciples who make disciples. But we feel like specifically us as a church that God is calling us to make disciples this fall as we intentionally live on mission for him. Here at the downtown church and in the Iowa City area and the university culture, we're about to come up on a season where a slew of people is going to be moving to town or coming back to town after the summer. And we have an opportunity To welcome them well, bless them, and communicate the good news of the kingdom with our words and with our actions. So, we wanted to prepare our hearts for mission, and we're praying that the Spirit continues to do that. But for the month of August, we are going to take some time to talk about how to prepare our hands and our feet to be on mission as well. We need our hearts to be aligned with the heart of God, but then we also need to learn the skills with our hands and our feet. In order to be about the mission. This week we're talking about how to bless those around us in everyday life. And next week we are going to have a missions emphasis Sunday where we talk about how to do global missions. So that's where you find yourselves tonight. Tonight's sermon is a little bit different. It's a little bit more like an equipping or a training. But the idea is that we would be submitting our bodies and our hands and our feet to God's word and what he has called us to. So would you pray with me to that end? God, we offer up our hands and our feet tonight. God, we pray that your spirit would do a work in our hearts, but also in our hands and our feet. As we believe in who you are, and we believe what your word says is true, we pray that that would overflow to our hands and our feet, and that we would be obedient to you, and that we would offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. God, thank you that our physical bodies matter and people's physical situation matters. And God, you're calling us to live for the kingdom come, but you have put us here in this world right now and you've put your spirit inside of us and you want to see your kingdom come in our everyday lives, in our neighborhoods, in our jobs, in our classes, in our place of work. God, we pray that you would prepare our hands and feet to bless those around us with the same blessing that you have blessed us with. In Jesus' name, amen. You may or may not know that June 28th through July 4th, we had a week of blessing where we encouraged community groups to not meet as normal, but instead we encouraged people to meet with people in their lives with the idea of blessing them, Uh, eating a meal with them, listening to them, serving them, sharing the good news with them. That was June 28th through July 4th. Maybe you participated in that, maybe you didn't. There could be a number of reasons for that. Uh, But one possibility is that you just didn't do anything that week. Maybe your group didn't meet, but for whatever reason, you didn't find yourself intentionally trying to bless someone. Or perhaps you're like me, and you tried to bless someone that week and failed. Or it went great. And you were able to bless someone, but now you're wondering, what's my next step? What do I do next to see this relationship go forward? Well, whichever case you find yourself in, or whatever you find yourself in now as you try to bless others, I think God's word has something for each of us tonight. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, we see Lord, the Lord call a man named Abram, who will eventually become Abraham that you've probably heard of and that the Bible talks about extensively in the Old and New Testament. Genesis 12 verse 1 says, "'The Lord said to Abram, "'Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house "'to the land that I will show you, "'and I will make you a great nation, "'and I will bless you and make your name great "'so that you will be a blessing. "'I will bless those who bless you, "'and him who dishonors you I will curse.'" And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Then we are told in Romans 4, as well as 2 Corinthians, the book of Hebrews, the book of Galatians, the book of James, that we have been grafted into Abraham's family. Romans 4 puts it this way. We are now of those who share the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So to break down this very big concept in scripture that is just all over the New Testament. To break it down in very simple terms, Abraham was called to go and be blessed by God and be a blessing to others. And then we are grafted into that family if we are followers of Christ. If we are in Christ, we are now part of Abraham's family. And as this scripture says in Romans 4, he is the father of us all. And whatever your father's mission is, that by default becomes your mission. Especially if you have young kids like I do. They have to go wherever I say they are going to go, whether they like it or not. We are grafted into Abraham's family and he is our father. And if he is blessed by God and called to be a blessing, we have the same calling on our lives. We're called to bless the world And I think that we can all agree that the world needs God's blessing. The world needs what God has to offer them. The world needs what Abraham offered to us, and that's new life in Christ. You may have heard before that the word blessed in the New Testament means happy, Um, And that's not entirely accurate. It doesn't capture the full meaning of the word. When we see the word blessed in the New Testament, it means that someone is happy, but more importantly, that they are changed. And they are fortunate to have received from God. That's the Greek word that we find when we read the word blessed. Changed and fortunate to have received from God. This is what we need in our lives. This is what we talk about when we talk about the good news. And this is what our world desperately needs. They need their fortunes changed by the good news of the gospel. 1 Peter four fourteen puts it all in one verse for us when it says, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, as Steve talked about, as the apostles were imprisoned, they were facing physical danger for following Christ. It says, if you face that danger, that persecution, you are blessed. There's the word we're talking about. You are blessed because the spirit of the glory and of God rests upon you. This verse is telling us that what it means to be blessed is to share in the glory of God because the Spirit is in you. That's what it means to be blessed. If we have been blessed with the Spirit and the glory of God and God has not taken us home into ultimate glory yet, then he has a mission for us while we're here. And it's to take that good news, that good fortune, that little bit of glory... And to share it with others. This is what the human heart needs and if we are in Christ we've got it. And God is asking us to share it with others. So we have decided as a church that a simple way to learn some skills with our hands and feet of how to do this blessing and how to do a lifestyle lived on mission for god is in a simple acronym called bless this is not an acronym that we came up with as a church it's a a guy who is a pastor and also a teacher on living on mission and he came up with the acronym we resonated with it as a church and so we stole it so um We are going to go through this acronym tonight because you've heard it said, your community group leaders have been through this same training that you're about to go through, and now we want the whole church to know. So as we say bless, we know both biblically what we're talking about, but also our vision as a church. Before I get into each letter of the acronym, which we're going to teach through the rest of tonight, a couple of other disclaimers. First, this is not a checklist. This is not a checklist where you go through and it's like, if I do each one, then I'm a good Christian, then Jesus will like me. No, that's not the good news of the gospel. We don't have a checklist. We don't have the good news of a checklist to pass off to the world. For some of you, a checklist is good news. You just love making those little checks to make sure that that thing is done and it strikes through and I'm making eye contact with some of you because I know you and I know this gets you excited. You just love making that check mark. But the good news that we have to share with the world is not that because of Jesus, we can check off the spiritual checklist, right? Right? So this is not a checklist that will become a new righteousness for you or for our church. Another disclaimer is I would encourage you as we go through this to think very specifically. Pray that God would give you names of people that he wants you to bless. Pray that he would give you context in which for you to do this. Let's make sure that we're taking this out of the abstract and out of the classroom and we're taking it to the lab and we're doing it. So I want to encourage you with that as we get started. So first, it'll be up on the screen. Um, if, you're take, if you're taking notes tonight, it might be a good idea to make sure you, you capture what we're going for here. But it'll be up on the screen as well. So B in bless. The B is begin with prayer. We must begin with With prayer. There's a biblical reason and some very practical reasons. The biblical reason is that Jesus always began with prayer. In Luke 4, we see that Jesus prayed even before he went into the desert and was tempted by Satan. In Luke 6, we see that Jesus prayed before he picked his disciples and commissioned. His disciples. We see Jesus pray, going off early in the morning to pray. The disciples looking around, where's Jesus? Well, he's off praying. He took his disciples aside and taught them how to pray. Jesus is constantly praying. And it's a pretty good rule of thumb that if Jesus needed to pray, you need to pray. If Jesus needed wisdom from the Father before he picked his disciples, then we need to begin with prayer. Look at the church in Acts. The book of Acts gives us a pretty good description of what the early church looked like. Just do a word search for the word pray or prayer and see how it shows up so often in the book. Of Acts. They prayed as they waited for the Spirit to come. It says they were devoted to prayer. They thanked God that they were worthy of being persecuted, as Steve said earlier. They prayed for Paul while he was in jail. They prayed and then they appointed elders. They appointed deacons so that the elders could pray even more. So, why should we begin with prayer? First, it's biblical. It's how we see God's spirit move among the church as the church prays. The second reason is highly practical, and there's three quick sub-points here of why to begin with prayer. First is for your own heart. Our own hearts need to begin with prayer before we go out and try to do great things for God. We need to pray that our heart is where it needs to be we need to pray that we're not doing it to earn our righteousness we need to pray that we're not doing it to look good in front of other people we're not we need to pray that we're not doing it so that people will like us and will be seen as a good person we need to begin with prayer for our own hearts Because just as we talked about, as we went through Jonah, it was easy to point the finger at Jonah. It's easy to point the finger at the dumb disciples sometimes, or the Israelites, or all these people that don't get it, quote unquote, but far too often, I'm the one who doesn't get it. I'm far too easily amused. I'm far too easily prone to my own comfort. I'm far too easily swayed by my own emotions and my own little kingdom. So first we pray because of what's in our own heart. Second, we pray because you can't save anyone. You cannot save anyone. Your perfect gospel presentation or your perfect demonstration of the gospel cannot save anyone. It is ultimately the Spirit of God who moves men and women to realize their need for Christ. We must begin with prayer because we need the Spirit to do a miracle. Do you know the majority of the students that will come to the University of Iowa this fall are not looking for a church? Many of them are running from church. Many of them, church is not even on their mind. We're not going to convince them with our arguments or our acts of service or our worship service or our free meal. Those are ways we can bless people, but ultimately we need the Spirit of God to change hearts. You know the greatest evidence I have that this is true is myself. Think about your life, my life. The good news of the gospel is called good news because the good news is that God could save a wretch like Whether you have a religious background or an irreligious background, it doesn't matter. It took a miracle of God to save you. So we need to pray that God would save. We need to pray that God would move and do things that we cannot. Third, why begin with prayer? Because you don't know what to do. At the end of the day, we don't know what to do. I said that my week of blessing completely failed. And that's because I think I shared either from this pulpit or in our leadership meeting what I was going to intend to do on Bless Week. Well, the neighbors that I intended to bless were out of town the entire week. Like, great. That's who I was going to bless this week. So I'm like, well, I'm off the hook. But God thinks he's funny. And instead, I said, God... What do you want me to do? And just through praying and the divine hand of God, two of the men on my prayer list of people that I am praying that God would save accidentally crossed my path during that week. I had no intention of seeing them. I ran into one at the pool and I saw another at a parade. I had no intention of seeing them, but God brought them along my path. It was yet another example of God saying, you think you know what to do? You think you know who I am going to save? We don't know what to do. We don't know who to eat with. We don't know who to listen to. We don't know when to speak up. We don't know where to use our very limited time. We don't know what to do. So we need to begin in prayer. We need to say, God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? What's the next step. So we must begin with prayer. L, L, we need to listen to God and others. So we begin in prayer. We submit all of this to the Lord, but then we listen and make sure we're having a two-way conversation instead of just a monologue to God about all our thoughts on the matter. We need to hear from him as well. So we need to listen to God When we listen to God, He reminds us of the good news. When we listen to God, He tells us what He wants us to do. When we listen to God, He whispers to us or even shouts to us who He wants us to bless and how. God, what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to use my time today? How do you want me to use my energy today? God, who do you want me to bless and share the good news with today? So we listen to God, and then we listen to others. We live in a culture that does not listen. We live in a culture that does not listen. Have you ever noticed that when you have conversations with people, it's just two people talking? There's not a lot of questions being asked. Also, when's the last time that someone posted something on social media and someone's comment was, "Oh, I didn't know that. Do tell more." That's not the way it goes. We are not in a culture that listens. Well, it's a great act of love to listen. To listen. It's one of the first things that we teach people to do when we're training them to do biblical counseling and soul care is to ask good questions and to listen well. To make a connection with people, to learn more about their lives, to know what part of the good news is going to be good news to them. We need to listen well. It helps us connect with them, plus it's just an act of love whether you're talking about counseling, marriage, getting to know people, or loving your enemies, listening can tear down walls and barriers that other things cannot. We need to listen to others. Here's the thing, not only is it going to benefit them, but it's going to benefit you to listen to people that you don't know. Listening is a great way to step outside of the echo chambers that we normally live in. If you're not familiar with this idea of an echo chamber, if you think about it logically, it kind of comes to you. But the idea is in an echo chamber, the only thing you hear coming back to you is the sound of your own voice. This is what we do by default in our lives. We naturally, birds of a feather flock together. We surround ourselves with people that agree with us that think like us, that are in our life stage. Because it's easier. It's easier to build connections with people that are like you. And not only so, but technology is designed to build an echo chamber around your life. The algorithms are training your technology and your social media to create an echo chamber for you so you see more and more things that are like you and that you like. The ESPN app on my phone for sports news, I don't have to tell it what my favorite teams are. It knows where I'm clicking. So it starts feeding me articles. And one day I'm like, oh, there's a sure a lot of news about the Pittsburgh Penguins. I wonder what." Oh, <laughs> it knows me. It's learned my tendencies. My app on my phone has created an echo chamber for me to where I don't think any other hockey team exists except the one I root for. Listening helps us step outside of our echo chamber and people no longer fit in nice, easy categories. Then we start thinking about people based on their first name instead of a broader category. This is a great act of love towards them and it helps us to step outside of our echo chamber. So we talked about the word blessed from the New Testament. I want to talk about another form of the word meaning "bless." When it's more of a a command that's being given. When we're told to bless our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. When we're told to bless those in the family of God. Those words blessed and bless look the same. But when it's being given as a command to bless, it literally means to speak well. So when we're told to bless someone, we are told to speak well of them. The only way you can speak well of someone is if you listen to them. And you know them. In the Gospels, Jesus asked 307 questions. And only three of them were rhetorical where he answered himself. 307 questions. There's a poignant moment in Luke 18 where Jesus and his disciples are walking through a busy street with a crowd of people all around. And he hears a blind man calling out, saying, heal me, heal me. And Jesus peels off from his disciples. He peels off from the crowd and he goes up to the man and he says, man, what do you want? The man says, I'm blind, but I know that you can cause me to see. And Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Jesus hears and listens when the world is too busy. It's a divine act of love to listen to others. I want to give you very practically four kinds of questions that you can ask that will bring about more opportunities for you to listen. Four kinds of questions, four Hs. Four Hs you can ask historical questions. History. You can just ask people as you're getting to know them to tell them your story. A great question here in Iowa City is, where are you from? Where are you originally from? What's your hometown? A second kind of question is heart-based questions. What do they love? What are their preferences? What are the things that they like? I have told you about one neighbor on one side where there's a family that's a religious family, and then on the other side... I have some empty nesters that live over here and just starting to get to know him a little bit. I had to borrow his, (laughs) I had to borrow his lawnmower during the week of bless as well as like, this isn't what I asked for, but I guess I'll go borrow his lawnmower. But as I borrowed his lawnmower, I was able to take his lawnmower back and he said, just put it in my garage when you're done. So I went into his garage and his entire garage was filled with full-size flags hanging from the rafters that were all military flags. Tells me a little something about him without even having to ask the question. Now we have something to follow up on. We can listen for what people love. We can listen for what they do with their time. And that's the third one, habits. What are their habits? What are their life patterns? What do they do on Sundays? What do they do on the weekends? What is their normal rhythms? I know there's two men in my neighborhood that are almost always walking or running past my house as I take the dog out in the morning. I can prepare myself to have an interaction with people instead of just staring at my phone or you know, wondering what time of day it is. Is it so early? We can learn people's habits. And lastly, we can ask questions about people's hurts. We can ask questions about people's hurts. What are the things that have gone wrong in their lives? What are the things that are difficult for them? We can look for connecting points over shared hurts. So those are four kinds of questions that can bring about more listening. Next, E. E stands for eat. Eat, yes. This should be the one that's just like a no-brainer, so exciting. But let's look at some biblical rationale for eating with other people. In our culture, eating has become something that is transactional or Instagrammable. Is become something that's a transaction. I, my body needs food, so I'm going to drive through this place, stop by this place, make something, and I'm going to eat it, and then I'm not going to be hungry anymore, and then I can go burn some more calories. That's how God's designed it. It's not a bad thing. Or it's become about, let me brag about what I am eating, and Instagram it, and so other people will be jealous about what I'm eating. This is a relatively new phenomenon for our eating to be purely transactional. For centuries, meals took much longer to prepare and to eat than they do now. Something happens when you take your time to prepare and to eat a meal, especially when you can do it with people you love. That's because God has wired us to eat with other people. First, we see it in the Bible. Take note in the Old Testament of how many times God's people are not only eating, but commanded to do so. Eating together. Then Jesus comes and he institutes the Lord's Supper. Something physical to do that the church has been doing for centuries, taking communion together. Jesus was accused by the Pharisees over and over again of eating meals with tax collectors and sinners. He was accused of eating meals with them because it's one of the most friendly and intimate things that you could do with someone. He was accused of doing that with people that were sinners. And in the end we will be invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb, where we will be eating a very good meal for a very long time with people that we love. It is instilled deep within us to worship through eating. It is instilled deep within us to connect with other people over good food and drink. What a great way to build relationships with other people, to eat with them. Most of us, some of us, I don't know how many of us, eat 21 meals a day, give or take. If you don't eat breakfast, it's 14. If your metabolism is like mine, it's 42 meals a week. But you eat a lot of meals per week. I want to encourage us as a church to practice eating three of them with someone else. For the purpose of building a relationship with them, meaning intentional, you are going out of your way to schedule eating a meal with someone, a coworker, a neighbor, someone you're trying to build a relationship with, someone you're trying to repair a relationship with. Imagine taking just three meals a week, three lunches, a breakfast, lunch, and a dinner, three dinners, whatever it is, or the very God-honoring brunch, I love a good brunch. Imagine taking three meals a week and using them just to ask someone else about their life and then listen to them and build a relationship with them. Doing that will change their life and yours as you do so. On August 22nd, in a few weeks, on a Sunday night, we're going to have an opportunity to do this. To do a meal together, a full-on meal The plan is to have it outside, and we're going to do things a little bit differently this year for our fall kickoff meal because we have a great opportunity. Did you know that every Sunday, right before students go back to school, every freshman walks past this place on the way to the governor's mansion or the president's mansion for the president's block party? We are going to have hundreds of freshmen walking past our building. And often it is happening just as we are starting our service. This year we're going to do things a little bit differently. We are going to cook the food in the afternoon, and we are going to be ready to give food away before church starts. And we all, as the church, can either grab food as we come in, or we can eat warmish food after the service. We'll keep it warm for you, it'll be sanitary and all that. But we are partnering with two different ministries here in town, crew that works with students and one ancient hope which is the church just down on the corner and any student that fills out a spiritual interest survey for crew is going to get a card that gets them a root beer float at one ancient hope and gets them a meal here at grace they're expecting 300 to 500 students to fill out this survey so we are going to eat together but we are also going to offer the opportunity to eat with students as well You'll hear more details about that soon. We're really thankful that God has brought that opportunity across our path. The first S in bless is serve. One of the biggest barriers to people understanding and believing the good news of the gospel is their own pride. Just like for you and me, our pride keeps us from understanding and believing the good news. Something that can really kill our pride is needing to ask for help. Serving is a great open door for building relationships with other people. Just offering to serve, offering to help. People are not used to having a community of people ready at a moment's notice to help them when they are sick, to help them when they are moving, to help them when they need to borrow something. Serving is a great way to communicate love for other people. Matthew 23, Jesus says, The greatest among you will serve. Philippians 2 verse 5, Paul says, Have this mind among you which is already yours in Christ. Then he talks about laying down your life for others, looking not only to your own interests but the interests of others. He's saying the very mind of Christ lays down his rights. Jesus, who deserved to be king, laid down his rights to serve. We have that mind. If we are in Christ, we have the mind of Christ, the righteousness of Christ that is compelling us to serve others. We need this mind of Christ Because if we're honest, it is easier at times to go on a short-term missions trip or to do a faith-in-action Sunday dedicated to service, but not be willing to walk across the street or get off the couch and serve someone else. It's a great way to demonstrate the good news as we serve others. Lastly, the last S is share. Share not like kids share your toys, although that's a good idea too, but this is the part where we declare the good news, where we speak. We bless others by speaking well, by speaking the good news. We declare the hope that we have in Christ. When's the last time that you shared the gospel with someone? When's the last time that you communicated the full truth of the gospel to someone far too often it's been far too long since we have opened our mouth to declare the gospel and i think that one of the main reasons is that we haven't done the other parts of this acronym well we haven't looked to bless others but imagine with me if we begin with prayer If we listen to God and others, we make it a habit of eating with others in order to build relationship with them. And if we look for opportunities to lay down our life in service. Imagine if we are living a life like that. Don't you think we'll have more opportunities to share with our lips the good news? Because people will say, why do they serve me? Why do they eat with me? Why do they share what they have with me? Why do they listen so well And they will ask us for the hope that we have and we can share the good news. When we pray and listen and eat with others and serve others, we will have opportunities to open our lips and share the hope that we have. We teach people in biblical counseling, as you ask good questions and as you listen well, you're going to learn what aspect of the good news And of God's word, people need to hear. When we listen well, we know what aspect of the good news will be the best news to that person, to help with their hurts, to help with their sin, to help with their past, their fears for the future. We can point to God's word and see how the gospel and God's word addresses those things that they are struggling with. So, bless. Begin with prayer listen to God and others, eat with others, serve others, and share the good news. So let's talk about some quick application points of what we need to do moving forward. First, we need to pray. Again, begin with prayer. So we need to pray as a church. We need to pray that this wouldn't be an initiative, a church initiative. They're like, oh yeah, we did that thing. needs to become a habit of our lives that we are looking to bless others with the good news of the gospel. So let's pray to that end. Let's pray that God would save. It's him who has to do the saving. Let's pray that God would lay specific people and specific circumstances and specific opportunities on our heart that we would know how to bless others. We need to pray. We need to pray together. We want to make it a regular habit as a church that we are crying out to God to save people in our lives. In your community groups, let's make this a habit that we're just, who are we praying for? Share who we're praying for, and then let's ask one another, hey, how's it going with that person? Have you had opportunities to eat with them, share with them, serve them, listen to them? Let's have a prayer list of a few people that we're praying for. You know what happens when we start praying that people would be blessed by God? We start looking for opportunities to bless them. God has laid it on my heart to be praying that the 106 countries represented at the University of Iowa that send students here, that one from every nation would be saved. You know what happens if we pray for that as a church? As you meet people that are from another nation, you're more inclined to serve them, to bless them, to get to know them because you're actively a part of what God is doing. You're actively working as a part of his kingdom. When we pray, it moves the hand of God, it changes our lives, and it saves lives. Second, make a plan. Make a plan. First plan is, in the next 24 hours, make a plan. write that down. That's the first part of the plan. In the next 24 hours, before you go to bed, tomorrow night, Monday night, you're going to put a plan together on paper of how you are going to look to bless others. Some components of that plan could be a prayer list. Maybe it's a map of your neighborhood with everyone's name on it, and you put it on your fridge. It reminds you to pray for those people. Maybe it's a list of two, three, four, five people that you're praying for that they would be saved Maybe it's mapping out your 21 meals this week and deciding which three of them am I going to eat with someone else. Maybe it's contacting someone tomorrow that you want to bless and putting something on the calendar so it's not one of those things that you just intended to do. A part of a plan could be changing patterns and rhythms of your life now. Like, maybe you have a habit of eating alone and looking on social media. Maybe you have a pattern now of certain things you do when you get home from work that you need to do differently. I need to put the phone away or leave it in the house when I take the dog out so I can engage with my neighbors. What, what needs to be in your plan to bless others? Let's take this concept out of the classroom And out of being an abstract thing that we see maybe some people in the Bible doing or that the pastor talked about or we saw on screen, let's bring it into the lab. Let's work on it. Let's do it. And lastly, an application point is to be reminded of the good news each day. Be reminded of the good news each day. Before we can share the good news with other people, we need to remember that it's good news for us. We need to remember that we are his kingdom people. We need to remember that we are his good news people. We need to remember that apart from him, we are nothing, we are a wretch. We have nothing good inside of us apart from what Christ has done to redeem us. It used to be that if one of my sports teams was playing and the game ended like after nine or 10 o'clock at night, I would stay up to see how the game ended. Those days are over. I fall asleep routinely while my sports teams are playing especially when they're playing on the west coast and the the tip-off or the first kick is like 9 o'clock at night like yeah I'm not making it through this game so I'll fall asleep what's the first thing I do when I wake up It's to see the score did my team win I'm looking for some good news and it's really a bummer way to start your day when you see that they blew it and they lost. I'm looking for good news. I'm looking for something to pick me up and start my day right. That's what God wants to do in his word. That's what God wants to do through his spirit and his people. He wants to remind us each morning, I have won the battle for you today. I'm going to provide everything you need. I am your righteousness I stand before the Father interceding for you. I've sent my spirit to live in you. Jesus reminds us each morning of the good news that we have to start our day. Take your anxiety to him. Take your fear to him. Take your anger, your lust, your addiction. Whatever it is, take it to him and be reminded of the good news. Listen to him. Read and believe and memorize and obey the scriptures. Pray for yourself. Pray for others. Take your sin to him, your suffering to him. And each morning receive and believe the good news so you have good news to share with others. Can we take a moment and begin the rest of our week in prayer? just take a minute and pray. Whatever you need to say, whatever you need to talk to God about, just take a moment and do that. Father, we pray that you would guide our steps. We pray that this would not be about a church initiative. We pray that it would not be about our glory. We're people thinking well of us. God, we want to be a part of your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we pray that your will would be done in our lives. We pray that your will would be done in our church. We pray that your will would be done in our community. We want to see more of your kingdom come in this world. We want to share with more and more people the good news of the kingdom. God, remind us as your people what the good news really is. God, there are some here tonight that the good news doesn't sound like good news to them right now. Maybe it's lack of faith, or maybe it's shame. Maybe it's suffering. God, would you remind each of us what the good news is? God, would you remind us what you have done for us in Christ Jesus? God, would you remind us that while we were still sinning, Christ died for us? God, we want to be a part of what you're doing in this world. And we want to see you bless some from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. And we want to be obedient to those ends. And we ask your spirit to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.